0: This podcast is called Obsessed, Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest, get some secrets off their chest, you should listen, it's the best!
1: Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw, I'm sitting in my home with a great guest, uh, she is a screenwriter, she has also been an actor and an improviser, it's Claire Sarah.
0: Hello, Joseph Skimshaw.
1: <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much uh, for coming and doing this.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I like to give listeners a little bit of context about sometimes how uh, I know the guests and yes. you and I are in a writing group together. Yes. Uh, ben and I can't remember when you when you joined the writers group. Uh,
0: you, back in the aughts. No, back I- in the aughts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And a, a year, it. either like a year and a half or maybe seven years. I don't know yes. how time works anymore. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really great uh, to get to know you, and I always feel really lucky to be uh, involved in this writers group because almost everybody in it has these deep connections from your your uh, artistic past in Orlando, Florida.
0: I know it's amazing, amazing group.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely great. So, uh, for people listening, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, um, I am a female. <laughs> uh, and I am a screenwriter at this time. I started off in theater. I wanted to be an actress. OK. Uh, I fell into improv. Um, so that was a big part of my early world yeah. and works. And my husband and I started a theater in, or- well, with a few other people, started a theater in Orlando called the SAC Theater Comedy Lab, Oh, okay. Um, and which is where I met a lot of our common friends now. Um, yeah, I
1: hear them talk about SAC, but I didn't know you started it.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm one of the founding members of okay. the Comedy Lab. Yeah. Very proud of that. <laughs> um, and I ran the Theater Sports League there for years. Um, and then we moved out here and I got more into writing. Okay. So now. I do, and it's mostly kind of family film uh, that I fall into.
1: Yeah, it, you use the term fall into uh, frequently, which it seems like really honest and accurate, right? Like, th- that's <laughs> yes. just kind of <laughs> how like. <laughs> Uh, presents opportunities, right? Yes. Uh, but the, I'm curious about the acting thing because I honestly didn't know this. I was uh, Googling to make sure that I had all of your nouns correct because I know you as a writer, but then so many people in Los Angeles and, and everywhere in the world do eight different things. Yes. And I didn't know that acting-wise, you've done some pretty cool things.
0: Oh, that's on the internet? <laughs> it, is.
1: it says cool things. No, that you were in the Princess Diaries movies. Oh,
0: yes. Yes, yeah. I was in the Princess Diaries movies. That was an hoot to have <laughs> for sure. That was great. That was great fun.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess when I see something like that, that that uh, that shows, like, oh wow. A lot of times when people say like, uh, I used to be into acting, but then I was into writing, they they mean like I did some local theater, but like <laughs> I I was I was doing some acting. I I kind of did some stuff with Julie Andrews, and then I fell into <laughs> writing. I'm just curious about that perspective of did you did you truly stop acting because more writing opportunities presented themselves or was it that you just found that you loved writing more than all of the work that goes into being an actor?
0: Yeah, you know, writing is the only thing I didn't fall into. Okay. Everything else I did kind of fall into. <laughs> writing is the only thing that I actually like turned my mind and heart towards to say I want to do this, and I'm going to put all the work and effort into it that it requires. Everything else, I I really did kind of stumble around and into and about with, yeah. um, and then writing, which is the hardest, (laughs) Um, but it stood out for me uh, above acting and even above improv, which I never thought I would love anything more than I love doing improv, but uh, I started writing plays at our theater. Okay, That's what got me kind of writing, really. Um and then when we moved out here I was fortunate enough to know somebody who had done well as a screenwriter and he kind of mentored me. Okay. And, and then I just stuck with the writing and now it's too late to turn back <laughs> it would be embarrassing. And yeah. I I did actually try to do improv again recently and it's not that it's that's not like riding a bike.
1: Yeah. So it's, it was it was hard to get it get back in that zone.
0: I fell a lot.
1: <laughs> was it? Did you have any sort of? Because I've done improv, uh, and it's been a little while as well. And I feel like there is a little bit of a difference, at least in my brain, between like writing can have an element of improv, but you're like you're really trying hard to find the right. Like sometimes I think of writing as every little thing is solving a problem, yes. solving this dialogue problem, solving this scene problem, solving this act problem, and that to me is such a different brain than improv of like anything can happen.
0: I know. I know. It For me, it's also, I don't want to get too fartsy, but it, <laughs> it, it is the rhythm of writing has to be slower than the rhythm of improv. Yeah. And the glory of improv and uh, what we're talking about a little later on in the world of gibberish and just spontaneity, it has to be just like a whir. And it's like what you're just skimming your brain for the first thing all the time, which is such a joy to me. But with writing, writing as you say you have you have to be on the third level at least of what you're writing as far as theme and character and world and uh where you're going where you've been always has to match yeah and um i think that's why the few times i've gone back to do improv it my brain is literally slower in terms of making story choices (laughs) (laughs) i don't just like blur it out yeah
1: are you, like, analyzing? Are you coming up with, like, here are the three or four options? Yeah. What should I say?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I never, and, and editing also, because like, oh, that'll be hard to pay off later. I was like, what? I would <laughs> never think that as an improviser. <laughs> that
1: has third act problems, so I can't. I can't say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Good to know. I need to work on that a little bit. Uh, I might be doing some improv soon, so I need to get my mind back in that game for myself. Yeah,
0: you do. You have to play games for, like, a couple of days before, like, with your own self. Yeah. Which is actually kind of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, let's talk about uh, your your main topic, your obsession. Uh, I always email guests and say, hey, what would you like to talk about? And you said gibberish, which is so great. So uh, can you give just like a definition of what you mean by by gibberish?
0: Well, I I do feel that there are two categories of gibberish. So um, pure gibberish (laughs) (laughs) would be... uh, Nonsensical words okay. it, that you know, words that do, a language that doesn't make sense, an alien language. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you were laughing, but I said something really. Touching oh, I'm, so sorry. I'm it's so, all, so sorry. It's okay. I, I apologize. <laughs> um, and uh, what I feel like, I feel like gibberish. And the other, the other part of gibberish is like nonsense literature, where you use real words but out of sense. Okay,
1: almost like a like getting really bad spam like in the early two thousands. Oh where my it gosh It's just like that's a sentence, but not in yes. the order a sentence should be. That's
0: exactly right. Okay. Yes, um, or b- bad translation. Yeah. Um, so it's nonsense, but it's it's real words, but in wrong order. Yeah. They they both are just absolutely charming to me, and I think. I fell in love with them. Well, I fell in love with absurd humor in general uh, with Charlie Kaufman. Okay. You know, and I just loved sort of the absurdity and then the, the adding gibberish to it. For me, it's like gibberish is the spirit of language um, and correct grammar and nouns and adjectives are the, the, the law <laughs> of language because gibberish is still it's about communicating. Yeah. Uh, the spirit of what you're saying, or, you know, one of my favorite, I, I sometimes teach improv for writers. Okay. And I will do, I'll, I will tell a story in gibberish that they need to translate. It's it's from an improv game, okay. which is called uh, gibberish translation. <laughs> and that's usually somebody pretends to tell a poem in gibberish and somebody else um, will translate it. Nice. And uh and I love doing it because, you know, you tell... I, for me, and uh, certainly back from my improv days, you try to know what you are saying. Yeah. Th- that makes the, the gibberish more interesting. Like, if, I, if I'm if i actually saying something to you... Yeah. ...my gibberish will be better than if I'm going goobledy-gobbledy.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I feel like people really get it. Um, and so I'd love to do it in a, in a class of 10 or 20... I will tell the story with breaks for them to, to write, um, and I'll tell it passionately, and I'll know the story I'm telling. It's usually a fairy tale or whatever. Okay. Um, but then then I have them read back what they wrote, so you've got, you know, 10 different stories. Yeah.
1: Are they sometimes close?
0: Um, not that
1: close.
0: <laughs> 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 but they have the, um, certainly, you know, the passion in the moments, the scary parts, yeah. or the... Um, I haven't had anyone guess the story that I'm telling.
1: Okay. Yet. So when you are communicating it, you've picked a story. Obviously, you're going to pick the emotional moments of like, you know, uh, when when the wolf blows the house down, that's exa- right? That's y-
0: exactly the one I usually tell.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Spoiler.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so is it mostly like the emotional moments that you hook onto to when you're performing it? Or is it also sort of like a, a rhythm?
0: It's the rhythm. It's that's exactly it. It's the rhythm, and especially with um, three little pigs, there's lots of rhythms yeah. in it. Um, and when they don't have any, like I don't say it's a fairy tale, or uh, so they're it not stars,
1: animals. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yes,
0: there's so there's no pigs. entry
1: point for them at all. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the huff and the puff coming back each time. Um, the three little pigs. Yeah. Uh, and I just I I love how they will interpret. Yeah. Um, quite often there's aliens in their stories. <laughs> and I think that's where we go because of the gibberish language or something. Right, because so that's people, how we're
1: used to hearing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You don't take it to the level of language, do you, where huff is the same sound every time?
0: Oh, I wish I could say yes to that. I mean, I could say yes. You wouldn't know. Yeah, I do. I've invented. <laughs> but see, that, now that's, but that's different. But that, that's not gibberish then. Yeah. It's yeah. inventing an alien that's language. Right. Is that right? Yeah, that's okay.
1: right. Okay, interesting. Okay, so... You you mentioned in your email that you kind of introduced gibberish to your life in a couple different ways. You mentioned classes. I thought you mentioned something else in your email. How, how does gibberish kind of fit into your life?
0: Um, I can't remember what I said in my email. <laughs> but um, I mean, I do. I write gibberish s- stories. Okay. I also write nonsense literature stories and poems. <laughs> so, that's how I have fun. Just for fun. Yes. <laughs>
1: What does that? Uh, I mean, that sounds joyful and yeah. interesting and very freeing because it's like it doesn't have to be perfect and right. It doesn't have to be. This line contains three different meanings. Uh, so is yes,
0: it... that's right. It's funny because it does still have to work. Yeah, according to its own rules, um, it does still have to work. There, I, I mean, there there are stories that I keep and stories that I don't. Yeah, um, and. I, I think one of the things that is very much, you know, gibberish being the spirit of the language, it w- will be slightly different for everyone, what people enjoy it. I mean, because there's, there's a lot of bona fide uh, gibberish or nonsense literature authors. Okay. You know, Lewis Carroll. Yeah. Jabberwocky. And um uh, what's his name? Lear. Uh, how can I not think of his name right now? Edward Lear. <laughs> okay. He wrote the Jumblies and other, you know, like, and there, there's actually, um, I will never think of his name. Um, in the 1800s, there was a, an Indian, uh, Indian or Pakistani guy who wrote Nonsense. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's always, John Lennon has a book. Of oh, really? Nonsense, sort of gibberish poems. Okay. And stories. And there are obviously there's no rules to that. Right. So everyone has it's like their spirit. Yeah, <laughs> comes out.
1: So when you say you write gibberish and nonsense stories and poems, are you writing something where you are literally making up every word? Or is it more on the other side where you're writing like the super broken? But recognizable English words.
0: Yeah. I would say I write nonsense literature. Okay. Which is, um, and I would say that because it has the word literature in it, so it makes me sound better. <laughs> um, but it, it, I use real words to, con- and so I'm conveying a feeling without using words in the right order. Or okay. in, in places where they should be. Um, gibberish I use for like teaching. Okay. You know, like gibberish translation where that's nonsensical. It's, there's not even a word to be found. Yeah. Um, I, I brought some if you wanted me to read. Oh, yeah, a I would. Piece. Yeah,
1: I would love for you to read a piece. Yeah. Uh, is it on your phone? Do you have it on? Uh,
0: I, I, I actually printed it out. Um, oh, nice.
1: Yeah. Do uh, you
0: want a way that you could edit it out? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can just say right now, oh, I forgot to bring them. <laughs> no,
1: no, I'm, <laughs> I'm very curious. Uh, yeah, while you're pulling it out, I, I think for, for my opinion, like, e- even though it's uh nonsense, there, there is. Uh, different ways to kind of find find it working or not. Because to me, like, uh, just making up gibberish words, words that don't exist, you're getting into the various sounds that we have associations yeah. with, right? Yeah. A means something and a an yes. means something, even if it's not the actual word. Yep. And then with the, uh, for the way my comedy brain works, like, comedy to me is the art of doing something wrong exactly the right way, it's for it to be <laughs> wrong, right. And when you're yes. dealing with, English words that people recognize, you have to break the English language exactly correctly for it to have value.
0: You're exactly right. And we all know, like there's, I mean, there's taste, like you might like uh, Lewis Carroll more than you like John Lennon's version of it. But we know if you're not even like really doing it. Yeah. You know, but there's a sense of Well, you know, we have an inborn sense of language. Um, I was actually talking to my uh, girlfriend about this. She has a little baby that is... Just talks gibberish all the time. Okay, some babies do and some don't. <laughs> and this little girl, but she, and it's like she, <laughs> and you know, it's like you can tell by her inflection, and like she already has an understanding of communication. Yeah, but we, it's a strange inborn um, knowledge of communication that we all have.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I just think it, there's something really funny to me about that the relationship we have with language where we kind of know intellectually that it's arbitrary that we picked these sounds and that because means because and it's those sounds but we're also so precious about it you know with our grammar rules and with thinking like every other everybody who speaks a different language thinks somebody else's language sounds funny because it sounds you know intuitively (laughs) I mean they do. Fair enough. What is that? Yeah so to me there's just like there's so much great uh, contrast between kind of very thoughtful brain and very loose flowing brain.
0: I know. I I think that the other thing that I love is that almost all cultures have a version of sort of gibberish, like baby talk and gibberish for communication. And um, so many cultures have nonsense literature Um, and then, and games that they like to play with language, you know, language games that we play with rhythms or rhyme, even just rhyme. It's like, why did we decide that was a cool thing?
1: Yeah, why is that pleasing to us? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's so weird.
0: Yeah, and that there's actually there's a um, French, of course, society <laughs> um, called uh, Ulipo. If I may say that again, absolutely. Ulipo, <laughs> um, and they. Uh, They create, so it's this group of authors and some of them are very, uh, Italo Calvino, do you know his work? Mm -mm. He's Italian, but um, oh, he's a great writer. Um, A lot of of major books, but anyway, he's part of the, he was part of this group. He's no longer with us, where they come up with restrictions for themselves for the next book that they're going to write. And they only, it's like their little group and they only tell each other. It's like, it's not even like announced to the world or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to. I'm writing this story where every third sentence is going to end with a noun or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the worst, dumbest one. But they they come up with extravagant rules, and then they go and they write like uh, Italo Calvino has my favorite of all, all the Ilipo. Um, stories, although some of them are so cool, and you would have no idea yeah. uh, until you read it at, like, afterwards what the restrictions were, and like, what? And he, he wrote this book called If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler, and it starts off with this couple in a bookstore, and they're both looking for the same book, and then suddenly they they are in all these different stories, and it curls in and around itself, over and through, and it's so confusing as a reader. And then when I read afterwards, I didn't I'd I read the book for years like I yeah. kept it there's something just absolutely fascinating about it and then um, y- years later, I found out that he had made up the these restrictions and nobody nobody knew it became a bestseller in Europe and yeah, okay. nobody knew that it was created from everyone was just like, what a creative nut he is <laughs> but he'd put like these self restrictions on it his self.
1: Wow that, well, do you know what the restrictions were in order to make that?
0: I don't remember his exactly okay. now because it's super complicated, but it reminds me of the game where you can't touch the floor because it's lava. Like, okay. that's what his book is like. It's like he <laughs> can never finish a story. It has to come in halfway through another book.
1: Oh, nice. It's, it is real. Okay. I'm very interested yeah. in that. I will follow up. But I want to hear uh, your nonsense story.
0: Oh, yes. Well, let's see. I um, pulled up my old file. And, uh, okay, so I'm going to do a short one, of course. I mean, I've got tomes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You've got a whole journal's worth, yeah. (laughs) You could publish.
0: I could. Okay. So, yes, this one is called, okay, and I I have to get serious because... Fair uh, enough. Rally up the bosun. Dagnab Punderbits rallied up his bosun and hoiled a cryfarb up the jib. Santa Anna was feisty that morn, with palms out and gustling, but Dagnab had met her in a four and paid not a knob to her devlin' ways. Rally hoed, cried the bosun, all salty particles and crispy bits. Me forearm says sail. And sail they did, cracking wise to the left and tacking corkside to the right, playing that old Santa Anna at her own gems. Their TR7 waved from the harbor, <laughs> a twit car with no gull wing. Boom, swave, kink. Quid pro quo there, bosun, yelled Dagnab over the crashing hawa sounds of the sea. She's brought out the brigand young and here defoes our end, I fear. (laughs) Swigging a jigger, the bosun stood defiantly atop his fangie. There'll be no end today, he grozzled. Not when me forearm has spoilt so true. And with a move of delicious grade three curriculum, (laughs) the bosun sucked up the Santa Ana's baccarat leaving her heavy with Ned. Yee-haw, jujubed old Punderbits, Ye stand sentry for all bosuns! I, Dej, take a mo and knight you with a homeo. Bat the bosun his eyes at his captain and refused it. Guffaw they did as his forearm belched their motto. Let's dial up some sea foam. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. That's
0: what I do in my spare time. (laughs) That is so
1: great. I can see how that would feel just utterly freeing.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Because it's enough structure it feels like to me.
0: Right. To feel like I kind
1: of know what I'm playing around, the general area I'm playing around in.
0: Well, I think what's fun with that is, as you know, after you've been writing for so long, the structure is just inside you. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. I mean, you do when you're creating a specific, you know, television or film format, you know, whatever hit your marks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but you basically, it's, it's so in your DNA now, beginning, middle and end. You know, and so for this, I don't think about that at all. And, and I just let my mind go, which is so much fun. And if I make a typo, I can't, my rule, my ulipo, <laughs> is that I can't go back.
2: Oh, I can't wow. change any typos. it just becomes part of it
0: yeah 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 and then and and I love that because you can't do that it's it's improv for my brain because you can't do that with a screenplay um it can just <laughs> yeah. it just takes the story like way left you know and then yeah. i love that it's like oh we're going left we're going left we're going left and then somehow the back structure part of my brain brings it yeah. you know back around but
1: now are you the kind of person who feels like you are listening to a deeper intuition when you make a mistake um I, I'm, I'm asking this partially just because I'm, I'm a big lynch fan uh there's a lot of intuition in his work particularly you know in, in this latest season of twin peaks and i just read his book that he, he wrote a long time ago about using transcendental uh, meditation yeah. but he talks about it all the time he's just like i try to listen to ideas you know and some of like the seminal parts of twin peaks were mistakes right that became characters and things like that. So th- there's I- I'm intrigued by this idea of feeling like there are no mistakes, you just adapt and or maybe there was some level of instinct that was finding that. Do you feel that way about these?
0: I don't know if I feel there are no mistakes in storytelling. Um, I I know my execs don't feel that way, um, but I do feel that I connect to, I mean, I really do believe in a, I mean, I believe in the spirit of language. I believe in the spirit of creativity. I believe, I really do believe on that, that this intuitional level that we're all sort of connected on a thousand percent. Um, um, because I, sometimes I, I feel like, well then why, (laughs) sometimes I make myself laugh And I'm like, how can I make myself laugh (laughs) if I'm, if I'm over, you know, if I am omnipotent over myself, Yeah. how can anything surprise me or make me laugh? And, and I, I I don't know a writer that doesn't get surprised by something that comes out of them or something their character does that they didn't expect as they're writing it. So I, I, I live for that. I, I love mistakes. I, yeah, I live for mistakes. Okay, <laughs> in, in every way though. I mean that comes back to my improv training, um, where I definitely and, and as a director of theater sports, I think I had it plastered up on our walls. Like if you don't if you don't fail at least one to- once tonight, you've failed <laughs> Because it's like you you never know if you if you're not out there tripping over yourself, you know, yeah. what you're gonna, what you're actually capable of, or for me, it really is more about, like, surprising myself. That is my favorite.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to think about it, of, like, not doing everything just sort of the rote perfect way. Yeah. And discovering a new thing to pursue. Yeah. Uh, with that particular piece.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, this piece.
1: To me, well, I mean, it's great because it is, it, ha- it has that freeing sense of nonsense. And to me, it had some really uh, satisfyingly uh, some satisfying comedy contrast of... Using a lot of sort of flowery language, a lot of language that sounded like you were at sea and then dropping in, you know, third grade curriculum, which sounds very (laughs) technical. So it has some like great joys of nonsense. But there were so many uh, like signifiers in that to me, it felt like reading a poem, like an actual poem in that like. I understand the general mood we're in. I understand even like right? some things that the you if you invoke the Santa Ana winds and language that sounds like sailors, it sounds like you're right. dealing with is there madness near the sea? Is that like <laughs> so? Did you sit down and go? I'm going to write something that's kind of about of about madness. Oh no! And and the sea or no, the wind?
0: No, I think Boson was probably. Uh, error (laughs) (laughs) and then it creates it's like well where else would a boson be and and as soon and it is very much the improv in your brain it's like you know all the connections happen as soon as uh, if i've typed boson by mistake then all the words that connect to boson come up into my brain so you know it, it it is again like doing improv we used to joke you know where it's like Don't look in the front row because if there's anybody there that's unusual, that's the first thing you're gonna bring into a scene. (laughs) Don't. It's like you just it's like a sponge. Yeah. And so when you're alone sitting in, you know, your room typing or whatever, that's like so great. It's like, what's floating around in my brain? What connect the other thing is like when you're doing free form gibberish, and it's the same with music when like Ella Fitzgerald scatting, right? That's gibberish. That's musical gibberish. Yeah. And it is the most satisfying scat like a lot of people scat really well but she was she was a trumpet as they say like she yeah. just found the pocket and because that so that was her structure you know was the pocket of the music But the sounds and words that she put together, like, were were like no other. Um, And that was just her brain's connections of sounds and words. Like, she was a a perfect gibberish singer.
1: Yeah, she's like, she's feeling like she's reaching something ethereal. Like, this is literally the noise I make about how I feel in this musical moment right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there's anything to it with uh, connecting to a more youthful perspective? Because yeah. just I, I thought of that when you said the word uh, boson, right? <laughs> yes. Like, and like a kid might know like boson has something to do with the sea, but mm-hmm. I know nothing else. So then the shit I make up is half right and half deeply wrong, <laughs> and like that's kind of what you're. But your piece is.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I hadn't thought of it as youthful, but you're right. I mean, anything that's not tied down is pretty youthful. Yeah. (laughs) Right?
1: Anything running around wild and free, yeah.
0: The other thing that I use gibberish for in classes is trying, especially with writers, to get the editor out of their head. Yeah. You know, that's, um, we've got so much editing. I mean, I think that's why it's still my joy to write like this, because, uh, you need the editor. An editor's a good friend, lives up there. You know, yeah. it's like you can't hand stuff in without having at least shook hands with him. <laughs> but um, the editors uh, can be just really become to presser real fast. Yeah. And um, like to get free of that editor, which is what kids don't have. Right. And they don't need an editor because they don't know naughty words yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and not even, you know... Naughty swear words, they don't know naughty negative words as much as we do. Like, yeah. you know, the self deprecating, well, you know, like. Can't,
1: won't, yes, shouldn't. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The real naughty words. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is such a struggle to just be like, yes, I, I should edit, but after I write. Yeah. Instead of writing and editing at the same time. It exists, just like Yeah. Instead of just typing a sentence that might be incredibly stupid, but might open the door to something else of like, I would not have thought of that unless I wrote that incredibly stupid thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. That is the gift of gibberish too, because when you free your mind up, um, you are being vulnerable to your writing gift. Yeah. Could we have music under this? <laughs> I'll
1: put a, a bed of uh, <laughs> uh, scatting.
0: Scadding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you are, you are becoming vulnerable again. Yeah. Like to just do gibberish, um, people, and it's funny to me because I've done it all my life, so it doesn't feel vulnerable to me to do gibberish, but I get it. I get why people feel vulnerable speaking silly
1: noises
0: instead of words. But if you are not vulnerable as a writer with yourself, at least, you know, how are you ever going to get there? You know, to your deepest places. How yeah. how are you going to find out what you have to say if you if you're editing as you write? You that you're the great controller. You're you know you're you're the whole agency packaging thing that's going on. You are <laughs> boss and employee. Yeah. Um, what's the, there's this great saying that's um, what is it? I'm. I'm a great boss and a terrible employee. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel that uh, as a writer <laughs> and a freelancer, yeah.
0: That's actually being a terrible boss because, I mean, you know, your controller being your boss, your editor being your boss. Yeah. They, they really have to be subservient to you. Um, and as I'm saying all these things, I'm like, yeah, that that is – I I don't spend a lot of time thinking about why I do gibberish, <laughs> But I know that the uses of it um, – are definitely about freeing and vulnerability. Yeah. And isn't it silly that it's vulnerable to go, <laughs> it's, it's
1: very freeing and fun. Yeah. But this is, I'm so great because I, I, that we're having this part of the conversation because I was Curious about it because I was thinking about gibberish, and there was something about it that part of it to me was like playful, fun, great, freeing, all these things. And then it's like there's a part of me that's like, Mm-mm. and I was like, what is that? Oh. Why? And I watched a video on YouTube of how to speak gibberish, and it was some woman doing it in a like very YouTube way. It had like subtitles, but she there was like kind of like an edge to it of like shung ha ha, and like it was alienating you know Whoa. and i think there is something about i think there's something about the um the lack of clarity to me that that uh using it as a writing exercise is fun and playful right i get very obsessed with clarity like i write longer emails than anybody wants because mm-hmm. i want to ask all the questions so i know exactly what people want or that they have right all the information if i'm booking someone for a show i want to try to give them all the like i'm very obsessed with clarity and i think there is some there's something about just imagining trying to have a conversation back and forth with somebody in gibberish that scares me because it's uh, i fear the loss of clarity
0: oh interesting which
1: is like it's interesting to me because it's all kind of the same thing but that your your poem is like beautiful and freeing and in exploration and a return to youth and all these things. But the idea of just like if we started to conduct the podcast as gibberish back and forth, that scares me. Right. And it's because I would be losing control.
0: Yeah, losing control. Yeah. 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 Well, obviously there's a place. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have a lot of listeners if the whole yeah. podcast wasn't gibberish. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's really important that you on your own can access Your gibberish, or at at the least, your nonsense. Yeah. Um, because your writing has to have that element. Yeah. Otherwise, it is just puzzle solving, and a story that's just puzzle solving is not very satisfying. It doesn't have a lot of surprises. Yeah. Well,
1: then, uh, yeah, then the audience can figure it out like a it's a puzzle. Yeah. Which I think is a little bit of a, a problem with our audience creator relationship right now where audiences are approaching things as a puzzle yes. to be solved instead of just let the story wash over you and, and how does it make you feel not did you guess right
0: but maybe that's because we're over controlling our stories i
1: think yeah there's definitely definitely that
0: which is it's a very interesting time for story because we've never had so many yeah in our face <laughs> at one time yeah exactly So the craft of it is coming more to the fore rather than the mystery and magic of it um, or the nonsense (laughs) of it.
1: Yeah. So for all the gibberish examples you've shared, they're all in a um, in kind of a artistic or an artistic space or a comedy space where, you know, miscommunication would be like a good thing or in an improv or a teaching space. How would you feel if somebody just walked up to you at the grocery store and just started saying nonsense? Would that be? freeing or interesting to you or is it all about context
0: hmm well i i think that would come down to uh the intention of the person yeah if they were being playful and did gibberish i'm sure i would enjoy that (laughs) if they seemed stressed or had anxiety and they were speaking gibberish and by gibberish i mean any other language than english um then I would feel anxious. I think I again because gibberish is the spirit of language. I would probably intuit their um,
2: yeah their in- intention yeah
0: um and go along with that. So if they're upset and spouting gibberish, I would ask if they're you know smelling burnt toast. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Oh, that's great because I think that helps me. That's I think that's what uh, weirded me out about the YouTube video because the intent was to be kind of aggressively obtuse and like yeah. in order to understand what i'm saying at all you need to read the subtitles.
0: What was the purpose of that video?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like the opposite of ASMR. It was like <laughs> not even remotely soothing. <laughs> it's really good. It's so good. <laughs> good. Um you I I was curious about alien languages because uh Obviously, like, a lot of them exist in, in science fiction. <laughs> uh, do you get any joy from them? Do you get joy from listening in a science fiction or, like, fantasy movie to a made-up language?
0: You know what's kind of funny is that not that much I don't. Okay. Um. Although the minions are pretty fun. Yeah. Um, that's closer to gibberish than uh, a language. like Because a, a lot of movies go to some trouble to come up with a fairly consistent yeah. Um alien language but it's not gibberish and it's not nonsense yeah it's another language and i usually don't find them that pleasing you know uh, i think we all found uh the um elvish of you know tolkien was very pleasing yeah um that was kind of, that was just that was just done well and in a pleasing way um, yeah which is kind of unfair to say in a way that but I find like sci-fi languages, for the most part, I haven't really enjoyed them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe uh, I haven't heard that many. Uh, no,
1: I think I I was curious what the relationship was. And I think that makes sense because you're after that bit of it that doesn't entirely make sense or is um, well, absurd just, or different.
0: It is a different, it's a different thing than gibberish. It's right. a different language. Yeah,
1: it's just a language. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that I appreciate sometimes is not... uh, I enjoy alien languages and movies, but you're right, they're languages. The thing that really entertains me is I have so many different fandoms where if you really get talking about the ins and outs of Star Wars or Doctor Who... You very you're using English words and then you're using made up words, you know, right. about Jedi yes. and their kyber crystals and all that. Yes. And I love when somebody talks about a fandom that I don't know with that level of intensity because I have that sudden great clarity of, oh, that's what I sound like.
0: <laughs> what does that sound like to you?
1: It really funny because it sounds like a little bit like your nonsense poem. Right? Of like I understand the intent of your say you <laughs> you disagree with the choice that that was made at that place at that time with that object, but I don't know any of those nouns. Right? I don't know those verbs. And people are saying them with this great confidence, right. like of course, like the chocolate train. Yeah. you know the, when when the the Zapoff fell off the chocolate train, it was ridiculous. You and can't
0: like, fall off a chocolate <laughs> train without a ganklefarb. Yeah, I mean that's so stupid. <laughs>
1: yeah, they established that in you know episode <laughs> shotada. Like, there's of course you can't. Like, yeah, yeah. And to me, there's a joy of it that's similar to your poem, yes. your yeah. piece.
0: Well that is a, that's also like a spin-off of gibberish or nonsense where, or nonsense literature where um, creating uh, like words for new things yeah that, that don't exist um, in like science fiction or fantasy which is also can be like super pleasing or not as pleasing. <laughs> um, I always felt like um, Douglas Adams was really good at that. Oh
1: yes, right yeah, absolutely. And
0: in fact uh, Volgon poetry is gibberish.
1: Oh yeah you
0: know I guess it's a, a language. Actually, if I thought about it, but a killing. language. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, would you ever seek out to write a movie in gibberish?
0: No. Okay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I like getting paid, Joseph. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't know uh, what the intention of that would be. Um, I I could see experimenting with a scene in gibberish. Yeah. But I know that it is, again, you know, coming back, it's the intention, um, like whether or not it's interesting, like to just do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. I don't know that that's interesting to anybody except for the people doing it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, let me ask it this way. I I totally understand what you're saying, especially coming from uh, a place of like you are writing movies for like Hollywood. Right. Which would be like, yeah, yeah, no thanks uh, (laughs) on that. I'm interested in the difference between it being a, an exercise for classes and a thing that you do to relax or if it's something that you want to kind of craft and share. So, like, if somebody came to you and said, hey, I've, got a, I've built a set, I've got all the lights, I've got everything, I would like to film you reading that piece and put it on the Internet so people can really experience it. Oh. Would you be like, yeah, I want to share this with the world, or would you be like, this is my private, fun, loose thing?
0: Well, it depends. What's the lighting like?
1: It's really tasteful. It's beautiful. Oh, then yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: Um, I would. No, I'd love to do that. You, like I, again, that like the nonsense poems or the nonsense pieces. Um, totally, I love sharing them. I used to read them um, at gatherings um, with other weirdos. Um, so I, I obviously, and I, I read one today. So I. That I love sharing, yeah. not this. But to me, that's like the jabberwocky, like could, you know, things that are kind of meant to be shared in a weird way, which is different to me than gibberish. Yeah, because there is, I think that the intention of a written piece of nonsense literature is easier to get across than the intention of gibberish. Yeah, and gibberish really is for me more about accessing the fast rhythm of your brain without editing. Okay. Whereas this one, well, it's it's not editing, but it it's like I. Like you said earlier, I I am aware I'm telling a story. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, have you ever made a different life choice because of gibberish in any way? Has it ever affected what you choose to do?
0: <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, I I don't think this is. It's a stretch to say that because of gibberish, I got into improv. Yeah. Um. So that became a huge life yeah. change for me. Um so I was drawn to the absurd world where language was different. Okay. Which I observed in improv scenes.
1: Okay. And so was it improv that introduced you to gibberish or was it reading Lewis Carroll or
0: it's sort of that all sort of swirl at the same. Time. I mean I let, I read Lewis Carroll first. Um and I I loved that and then I saw Andy Kaufman doing his uh he had a character that Spoke. I have air quotes. Um, uh, Latka, I don't even know what he was like. Some Eastern European country, and he spoke gibberish as yeah. his language, and it was clear that it was gibberish. It was not a language that he had planned out, <laughs> and it was so pleasing. And that's just because he happened to be a master of comedy. Yeah. So he knew how to land the sounds, you know, properly. Right. Yeah. So and and so my life decision to get into improv was highly influenced by. The whole gibberish and nonsense poetry stuff.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Um, when I release this podcast, do you think I should spell gibberish with a J or a G? Or hey, do, do you do think it that? just doesn't matter? At I think all?
0: you should spell it Yurdis shoot, Pit. That seems in the spirit of what we're right? talking about to me.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I loved that you spelled it with a J, because I caved to the interwebs and spelled it with a G in the email. Okay. But I, I feel it's a J. Yeah. But is it a GIF or a JIF?
1: Oh, man, I guess the the world will just have to decide that one by itself. <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Mm. So these are questions that I ask uh, everybody or variations. Some of them are quite absurd. Do you think about gibberish every day? No. Okay. That's a lie. (laughs) Uh, Why is it a lie?
0: Um, I say gibberish every day. Uh, My husband and I, because we both come from the improv background and all that, um, pretty much have a world of language where if you, everyone trips on a word as (laughs) they're speaking every now and then, we always just go with it. So it happens every day in our house where it's, you know, um, if he's got the coffee and it's... Um, could you pass a co- cocoa caca, callum? could you could you callum me a cart can? <laughs> Every day, always. So gibberish is part of my everyday life. okay.
1: How often do you think about it in terms of like uh, sitting down and having some fun of writing something?
0: Um, again, if i'm if I'm honest, uh, what happens is I'll hit a typo. Yeah, my favorite thing in the world to do. Because I'm a pretty great typist, actually. Okay. So I actually don't have (laughs) that many typists. A a rare
1: and fun experience.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, And I have autocorrect off on my typing okay um a because i do like to make up words every now and then even in my fancy hollywood scripts um and b because then the typo will just lie there (laughs) and not correct itself and amuse me yeah and that's a form of gibberish
1: okay cool yeah i had autocorrect off for a long time but then i started to find joy in the terrible things that it would do and make the kind of The nonsense games where it's all English words and then the words that would randomly be like, you really, you can't guess that I was trying to say shirt and you really think I meant she lot. (laughs)
0: Shallots. (laughs) Shallots. I'm wearing shallots. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Autocry.
2: Yeah. My
0: my husband answers most of my texts very annoyingly with um, like he just chooses the words that they provide. (laughs) so like tonight i'll text him it's like i'm on my way home yeah and i will get back you have the one person (coughs) of all time time is on my side
1: (laughs) that is so great we
0: have a lot of nonsense language in our house yeah yeah
1: that's awesome uh would you ever get a gibberish tattoo (laughs) where (laughs) wherever you want
0: (laughs) um i guess never say never
1: okay are you a tattoo person at all
0: I am not a tattooed person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you ever considered tattoos or has that just not been in, in your life plan?
0: You know, I have considered but never seriously enough to follow through.
1: Okay. Do you have any sense of if in your lists of interests, gibberish would be high enough to make you consider this is what I'm going to put on my body?
0: Yeah. In fact, um, it probably would be gibberish. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well would now I you... we gotta get a Dribush tattoo.
1: <laughs> would you uh get something that was like a typo that you had made uh of a word, or would you go to the tattoo artist and go like, just go crazy. <laughs> Make something up on my arm.
0: Wow, that's super vulnerable. <laughs>
1: that's very vulnerable, isn't it?
0: Although they do typos too.
1: Yes, they do. I've seen those on the old internet.
0: Yep. Um Never fog hat, wasn't that one? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Nine eleven. Never fog, fog hat.
1: hat. <laughs> <laughs> that is so pleasing. I always want to get never fog hat. Wow, that guy hates fog hat. <laughs> Why? Not that bad. Uh, uh, never. <laughs> have you ever had, or would you want to have, a gibberish dream? Where gibberish is somehow involved.
0: Oh, I have had gibberish. Oh, dreams. nice. Absolutely, I am the dork that wakes up laughing. Okay. Um, and my husband uh, literally sleeps with the earplugs in now because I talk <laughs> or whatever. And I have had a couple of times where, uh, and this is TMI, but there's one that I remember. It was a few years ago, but it's um like two cats doing a vaudeville show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that the TMI part? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Speaking German.
1: I have never had somebody give me a warning of TMI <laughs> for basically I a cartoon. So. Sorry, this is kind of don't repeat this to kids. <laughs> but some cats did a song and dance.
0: I've said too much. <laughs> T-
1: too much. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, forgive
0: me. Never I'll fog hat.
1: Go back to talking about your knee surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Not anyway. Cats my hemorrhoid.
0: Doing
1: <laughs> <pod milk>. <laughs> <laughs> so were the cats uh, doing gibberish? Were they like doing a song and dance that made no sense?
0: Uh, yeah, it wasn't uh. even. <laughs> It wasn't even a song and dance; they were just speaking gibberish. Okay, <laughs> but it was like in my dream, I was in the audience, and it was so funny. <laughs> like I tried to remember when I woke up. Like, yeah. What What was so funny? And can I translate that and make money at it? <laughs> that couldn't. is
1: awesome. That That's really cool to have dreams that bring you joy because I think yeah. a lot of people work through anxieties in dreams.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I do that too. But um, yeah, but I have a lot of very silly dreams. I'm a silly person, Joseph. <laughs>
1: um, would you? This is not a silly question. Then, uh, would you stop being friends with someone who thought gibberish was stupid?
0: No. Okay. I have a lot of stupid friends that don't get it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I yeah. I have some um friends that do not get that stuff. Don't don't get that world, and I I find them so interesting too. It's yeah, like, it's so interesting that that does not touch you in, in any way, and then I move on and we play chess. No. Okay.
1: <laughs> are they the people in your life who are like, I don't get gibberish. Are they people who are in general analytical? Yes. Thoughtful, serious people?
0: They're my, my friends with real jobs.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think most artists get it to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. Although a funny, like a lot of artists are still very afraid of it and feel very vulnerable of it, which to me, the goal of an artist is being vulnerable Yeah, um, and being able to access that vulnerability. Um, but, uh, they get it. They get yeah. the point of it or they can laugh at with it. And analytical folks, I get it. It's like, well, what, what's the function? Yeah. It's anti-functional.
1: <laughs> uh, that reminds me, I did want to ask you about like businessy jargon. Cause that's something I've long been fascinated with.
0: Ooh, jargon. Yeah. That's the sister cousin. Yeah. Bride
1: of- is, is it the dark sister cousin bride to you of, uh, cause it, 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 I, I it sticks in my mind in particular because I had a job for a little while helping to write the this variety show for General Mills that was there to give out awards to a specific uh, department.
0: Oh, okay, okay, that's fun.
1: Um, so I would go in and I would meet with a bunch of people from different departments to collect because it was very much like this is internal, so they wanted jokes about like Bob spilled his coffee again. Like they wanted love internal. That. I love that. Yeah, and it's, it's great, and yes. the audience would die. But they would also want to make jokes about like processes and, you know, things like TPS reports. But every once in a while I would say, "Okay, great, cool. Can you just remind me what the triplicate maneuver function
0: is?
1: (laughs) And they'd laugh at me and they wouldn't have the perspective that there is no fucking reason for me to know what that means. Right. So I've always thought of jargon as like it's kind of got a little bit of that fun nonsense, but there is something kind of businessy and analytical well, about it.
0: Okay, the saddest part of jargon is the superiority take yeah. on it. Insider, you know, uh, exclusive, inclusive yeah. business of jargon, which is, you know... it. it it's for people who don't feel special, right? <laughs> the, yeah. the less special they feel, the more jargon that they need to make them feel a little bit of power, a little bit included. Like, yeah. I'm with the group that uses... I mean, it not there a Steve Martin joke where he um, pretends he's at a plumber's convention? <laughs> or, yes. like, he tells a joke and like, wait, is this not the plumber's convention? <laughs> and then I got the two quarters wrench. But... Um, <laughs> And there's a beautiful place for it because I love all that. I mean, yeah. there's artist jargon, yeah. you know, and some of it's really useful because we understand what we're talking about, or writer's jargon, what's the inciting incident? Yeah. You know? um, but uh, it, the, the dark side is, for me, uh, the dark side is always invulnerability okay. and the invulnerability of. I'm a superior because you don't know what a flux capacitor is. Right.
1: That difference between I'm holding the knowledge versus all the great nonsense vulnerability examples you give where we both don't know what it means. So let's find out together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Would you want someone to speak gibberish at your funeral?
0: Oh, I would love that. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now I'm going to put that in the folder.
1: (laughs) The folder. (laughs) Are you making this up in the moment, or do you have a folder?
0: No, I have started a folder because uh, my mother passed a few years ago, and she had uh, her whole entire funeral planned out. The memorial, the... Every It was so great. And she talked it over with me. Yeah. So. But there were still a few surprises that she threw in at the end. <laughs> and it was so great. It made everyone so comfortable. It's like, we've got a task to do. We can right. focus on it. We know this will make her happy. It was great. So yeah. I want to do the same thing. Awesome. And not that I will be there, but I also think it'll make other people happy. And that now making someone say gibberish... Which at a funeral will make people laugh inappropriately and yeah. feel vulnerable.
1: Yeah, have that great, you know, yeah, release of uh, That's
0: great. Thank you tension. for that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, if aliens visited Earth and you were the human who got to greet them, would you tell them about gibberish?
0: You know, it would probably come up because there would be language barriers.
1: Yeah. So in a way, it would be like a, a game of, of gibberish of trying to get the yeah. spirit of language yes. across. Yeah.
0: Which is like that movie, The Arrival. Yeah, they were trying to figure out each other's language, and they gibbered out ink blots.
2: Yeah, <laughs> ink um, gibberish. Yeah.
0: But so actually, it probably would be helpful because I think making noise is better than both standing there with like you know like it all blocked up inside. <laughs> of course, I, of course, I feel that way. But it's like it would be better for both of us to speak gibberish and to hear our tone. Yeah, it's like okay, alien. <laughs> like, think like there's a difference between those two right
1: right yeah oh that's so great um, are there any gibberish products you would like to buy
0: well there's a tongue untire um, on Amazon <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> gibberish products yeah so I
1: know it's a super weird question but like yeah. I, I there are so many different obsessions where you can like hey, if I like Star Trek, I can coat my body in my home and Star right. Trek products. Right. But some obsessions are like, how do you make that physically a part of your life if you want like?
0: Well, there a are gibberish games like Balderdash yeah. and um, Anomia. Um, so there are, and we have those. Um, <laughs> but I can't think of any other gibberish. Um, there, there. I have thought a few times about. Embroidering a gibberish <laughs> thing. And I didn't think that up entirely. It came from an old uh John Stewart Daily show where uh George Bush had flubbed some like <laughs> fool me again. Yeah. Fool me twice. Shame on fool me, fool me once again. And they um embroidered the whole thing onto like a set of pillows, which was a form of gibberish. Yeah. And I thought oh, it would be so great. Like, but it the same thing as the tattoo. It would have to be the right gibberish phrase. It would have to just feel like in the pocket.
1: Yeah, that is so funny to me. I love those things that have that clear contrast of we're used to those kinds of displays having like this homespun, heartwarming, it's all going to be okay in the end meaning. And to look at that and just go, "Eh, I don't know what the hell this great (laughs) advice is, but it's hanging on my wall. (laughs) I know. It's so fun. I know. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Um, If you had to pay $5 before you wrote gibberish, would you pay $5 every time? Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah, because it's just that important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, here is the final How Obsessed Are You question. It's kind of a weird one. If every time you spoke gibberish, a wild bear appeared in the room with you, would you still speak gibberish? Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, uh, is it a black bear or a brown bear? I'm Canadian, so I know. Uh, uh,
1: Which one's bigger?
0: Uh, well the brown bears are scarier.
1: Okay, brown bear then. Oh. Yeah.
0: Grizzly? Yeah. <laughs> Kodiak? <laughs>
1: oh, I like Kodiak.
0: Yeah. Um Oh gosh, I uh my problem is that I my adult wants to say no no, it's just <laughs> gibberish. Yeah. But myself says I'm going to do it anyway. So um I just have to learn some bear skills, <laughs> which as a Canadian, I have a few. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, so I, I, I'm going to say no, but I know that I'll do it anyway.
1: Okay. So in true, if it was, I mean, it's an absurd question on a podcast, but if it was like some real strange curse that befell you, you would try not to because you know it's dangerous, yes. but then eventually it would happen.
0: It would happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Because
1: it's just a part of you.
0: It happens all the time. <laughs> Even talking to myself. Yeah. I will trip on a word and then go off on a gibberish, you know, punt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the bear would appear.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> and you'd have a fun little gibberish game. <laughs> uh I ask everyone to do this but it's extra great for your topic. I ask people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What kind of noise do you have for gibberish?
0: Plarkunk thumped. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's so great. You just, those are all those comedy sounds. All, you used all the best comedy sounds. Uh, natural comedian. Uh I have people rate their obsessions okay. on a scale of one to ten. Uh ten being the highest, one being the lowest. Uh how would you rate yourself? Ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah. It's just this is just a part of your outlook.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It is part of my philosophy and my being and my tongue. Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: a pretty thorough obsession. Uh, This is the plugging session of the section of the podcast. I'm doing gibberish. This is great. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Do you have anything that you would like to plug?
0: Um, my butt. Oh, God, <laughs> I really did not want to say that. G- Jibberish is a cousin to Tourette's also. And that's like comedy Tourette's. Uh,
1: sometimes the butt plugs just
0: come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, do, do I have anything to I don't really have anything to plug. I'm just writing away on movies that'll come out in four years. Okay.
1: Uh, do you want to be found on social media? Oh, sure. Yeah, so where can people find you on social media?
0: Uh, my name, Claire Sarah, at Twitter. My name, Claire Sarah, at Instagram. <laughs> uh,
1: and Sarah's S-E-R-A.
0: Yes. Nice. C-L-A-R-E. Yes. S-E-R-A.
1: Yes. Uh, and do you want to plug the movie that you had uh, out in theaters recently?
0: Oh, sure. Oh, it's on HBO right now. Ooh. Small Foot. Yeah. Which has gibberish in it, Joseph. Oh, does it really? One of our... Uh, our main character speaks gibberish. Not one of one of our main characters speaks gibberish. The human speaks gibberish because it's a movie about yetis. Yeah. And so when the human appears, they hear his language as gibberish and he hears their language as gibberish.
1: Was Was that... Always a part of it, or did you get? Uh, did you put that in?
0: Uh, I was part of that okay. T- decision.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome.
0: I know that is awesome.
1: So go uh, go check it out and listen to some gibberish. Uh, here are some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at JosephScrimshaw. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to Patreon.com/slash/JosephScrimshaw. All right, here are just final fun questions. If you could summon a dragon and fly around on it, would you?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Have you thought th- that one through before? Well,
0: yeah. I mean, everyone's thought about flying on a dragon.
1: Oh, really? Don't you think? Uh, I, well, maybe I, some I...
0: people think griffin.
1: I oh, maybe. I used to think that, but I have ended up in discussions where people are like, dragons are impractical. i I'm like, wow.
0: They've got those holdy knobbies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Seems pretty... No, and, yeah. and they they can't turn their neck back and get you. Like if you do something wrong, or oh whatever. right, so it's you like can sass the get dragon. Fired. Yeah. yeah, you
1: can mumble <laughs> something under <to> your breath.
0: <laughs> you could mumble some gibberish, and they would never.
1: <laughs> dragons. They, they seem
0: like safe to me because they're so big. Yeah, and they've got the scales, or I mean, we're talking scaly dragons.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't ride a smooth
0: dragon. <laughs> right, you can't ride a smooth dragon. Everybody knows that. That's just fantasy <laughs> basics. That's a fog hat album. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Smooth <laughs> dragon. I hate that one. Never far. Uh If there was an amusement park ride based on your life, what would the ride be like?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. Uh, I think probably like most. It would be a roller coaster that uh, goes through some poppy fields. <laughs> Into some very dark tunnels where it gets stuck (laughs) for a while. Then uh, through like sort of like a muddy, muddy landscape where it's like moving real slow, like way slower than is fun (laughs) for anybody. And then suddenly it just drops off like, and it's fun, but it's just going down. But you're falling into something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Down, down, down. You're falling. Then there'd be a series of falling into things. (laughs) stumbling 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 falling into something then there's the decision of the coaster to make a decision and then it's all uphill chink 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 chink, chink. and then you're going to get to the top of this and think oh my god i've come all this way up here and it just plateaus <laughs>
1: <laughs> this sounds like such a great ride, I think, for people to go on when maybe they're like, you know, in their early twenties. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, exactly when it starts. This is life. Um, yes. for for many of us. Uh, some people have different roller coasters, but yes. for many of us this is a normal life.
0: This is a normal roller coaster. Yeah. And the soundtrack would be skelet chalk chicken, chicken chocolate parters. <laughs>
1: All right. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness?
0: Happiness is (laughs) (laughs) Clarvincott. Happiness, for me, uh, is, this is so dorky, but it's entirely true. uh, Being in the moment enough to be vulnerably present, yeah, anywhere, anytime, good situation or bad situation. Um, I have laughed a lot in really terrible circumstances <laughs> because I was paying attention to what was going on. Yeah, you know. So happiness for me <clears throat> is um, being present and vulnerable.
1: Yeah, is it for you the um, the joy of being vulnerable and present, or is it the Access to the catharsis that comes from that.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. That it's that is the, that's the loop. Yeah, that's the loop because catharsis, while it's absolutely fabulous, is not silly. Yeah. So like, there's like there's just a loop of the darkness, the being present in the darkness, the seeing it for what it is, the joy that comes out of that, the or the catharsis that comes from that. Which brings to joy, which brings you back to the present. And then you're just in this loop.
1: That's great. That's really cool.
0: That's the meaning of life, Joseph. Oh,
1: awesome. That would be another good uh, amusement park ride as well. (laughs) You described that. So there you go. Two great amusement park rides from Clara Sarah. Thank you so much (laughs) for doing the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. This was a delight.
1: Excellent. That is our podcast.
0: You've been listening to Obsessed Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest Rate five stars if you're impressed Today, a monument of Etregé stands to the side of a large pan of water decrying any involvement in the war But listen to the type of me, my dear readers and know the Sam Hill as you read it here